Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. This is what I'll call the non-Rashi Rashi class because we're in the stretch of five verses in a row, a very rare stretch where uh, Rashi has nothing to say. That's exceedingly rare, except for maybe long genealogies where there would be nothing to say other than just giving maybe a, a derivation of a name. Um, and for some of the verses that we're about to do today, I've chosen at least one commentator aside from Rashi to share a little bit of insight, which we'll do via a screen share because some of them are on the page uh, in the Torah Chaim uh, but not everyone has that in front of them. So I think that we are about to read verse 28 um, in chapter four of the book of Exodus. If you're in the Torah Chaim, it's page Nun Dalid. And um, I think we, we read last, we spent a lot of time on the previous verse last week. We can just read it again to give us a sense of the context. By Yomer Adonai El that's this is verse 27. God said to Aaron, Lech likrat Moshe Midbara, go to greet Moses. We generally translate it as in the desert, but it's really towards the desert. Hamidbara. Bayelech, he went, meaning Aaron. Bayevkeshehu, and he met him. We assume that the he met him means Aaron met Moshe, but it's not 100% explicit. Bahar Elohim on the mountain of God. Bayishak lo, and he kissed him. Uh, and the last thing we read last week was the commentary of Nachmanides, the Ramban, who said that the he kissed him and that Aaron kissed Moshe as a way of showing Moshe deference, that the, that the kisser is the one showing deference to the kissy. And that was not, and that was not that they kissed one, the one, one kissed the other. And that leads us to verse 28, the second of the five verses in a row that Rashi doesn't say anything on, but we will, I imagine, have lots to say. Uh, Sue, do you, oh, you're about to get, you just got to, <laughs> I caught you. Do you want to read verse 28? Or are you going to, if you're, if you're going to get oh, to, the coffee, the coffee will stay uh, long enough. You can okay. pour yeah. a cup of coffee, that's fine. No, that's okay. <laughs> okay, verse 28. Um, Vayager Moshe Vayager Moshe Vayagid Vayagid But the fact that you pronounced it Vayager is exactly the reason why the Dalid at the end of the word Echad in the Shema is large because a Dalid and a Resh can be very easily mistaken and we would not want to say Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Acher which means that God is another we want to say that God is one Okay. And so is this is this dalid big in the no? No, not every dalid because that would mean that every dalid in the Torah would, would be big. big. But that's the general thinking as to why that dalid in the Shema is is bigger than um than other dal other daladim. I don't know what the plural of dalid is. Okay. <laughs> daladim does not sound correct. <laughs> Daladot. Yeah, also not correct. I already went through it in my head. Um. <laughs> um Vayaged Moshe Laharon, Vayaged Moshe Laharon, et et kol divrei Adonai Asher Shlacho. Okay. Et kol otot Asher Sivahu. Sivahu. Now, before you translate, there, there are no particularly hard vocab words in this sentence, but there's some ha- odd, odd syntax. So let's see what you can do with it. Yeah, syntax and form. It's a little bit weird. Okay, Vayaged Moshe Aaron, and Moshe told Aaron. Right, Vayaged, um, the same root as Haggadah or Agadah, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. To tell. Right, Lahagid. Um, but the gade, is there a reason? I don't, and why is there a gade and not a gid? I want to be by Yagid. Because in in Avav Hayipuch or future tense, Isn't mostly right? Avav Hayipuch, when the um, Shoresh, the first letter of the Shoresh is a Hey, because the, the, the Shoresh is Hey Gimel Dalad probably, it, there's a longer way of saying it, but it but it changes the, the shape it's and the structure of the verb, right? It's like by, like, um, um, I, I can't, I, I, it would take too long to explain the technicality of it, but it sometimes happens in a Vavaipuch. Okay. okay. At all the words of God, all of God's words that 
were sent to him, that Asher Shlacho, that he had sent with him, that's, that were sent with him. So that's the first part of the hard syntax, right? We know what Kol Divrei Adonai means, all the words of God. We know that Asher Shlacho means, like if you, if you isolate Asher Shlacho, it's which sent him, right? But that doesn't make sense because it's not words that sent him, right? So, and, 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 and Shalach is a, is a singular verb, but Kol Divrei Adonai is a plural concept. So you somehow have to throw in all the words with which, by which God had sent him, right? It, it's, it's not, it, it, unless there are certain elements of biblical syntax that are just different than the way we form English sentences, which could be true. There's not a really simple way of translating this based on the words that we have. We have to kind of fill in. It, except that there is kind of, um, like you could say the words sent him. There's something about that. You could, that, 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 that's kind of part of it. The words, words have sent him. Right. And if that were the case, then shalach would have to be a plural, unless when you have the word all, even though all is referring to many things, it's grammatically a singular um, Mm. pronoun. Um, Everett Fox translates it, throws in the with which. Everett Fox says, um, and Moshe told Aaron all God's words with which he had sent him. Because because Ever Fox is saying that the Shilacho is the God sending Moshe, but but it but the words are not the things that sent, the words are the things with which Moshe was sent. We know what the sentence means, but sometimes it's interesting to just to um drill down mm-hmm. on the context. Finish mm-hmm. translating and then we'll hear what Rick has to say. And with all the, I want to say letters. I know it's not letters because that would be otiot. With all of the signs like, or wonders, like an ot, yeah, like a like otileolam, yeah, is, is signs, so, yeah, signs and wonders that that were commanded him. Right. I, 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 another time where we're trying to figure out exactly how to translate, and every fox does the same thing. He adds in a with which and all the signs with which he had charged him. Otherwise, it's and all of the signs which commanded him. Right. So it lists, it really may be that in biblical Hebrew, they didn't have a with which, right? That they, that, that a with which was implied, right? And in more, in modern Hebrew, it's you, you, you actually can say a with which, right? But so this may actually have been the simplest way of saying this in biblical Hebrew, but it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit challenging, even though no vocab words are really confounding. Um, Rick and then Larry, Diane. Let me get coffee. Get Hi. Coffee. I already had some coffee. Um, I just wanted to point out, it's there on the page, the, the parallels in verse 30. You got the same sentence structure. You got the same Devarim and... Um, you have the same ha'otot, and um, I just thought if we look ahead to that, since we have no Rashi in between, we can make comparisons between 28 and 30. Um, it's a little bit different when they're in front of the elders um, describing the situation, is is my point. It's There's more emphasis on the devarim. I don't know, but I just noticed that it's there. Nothing with the trope necessarily. Although gathering together is pretty important. It's all on one word. On Vayasfu, yeah. Vayasfu. Right. But the same, yeah, it's the same structure, 28 and 30. Basically. Well, it is and it isn't. You have the words kol hadvarim. Asher diber Adonai instead of asher shalacho. Right. Kol hadvarim asher diber Adonai makes perfect syntactical sense. All of the words that God had dabered, right? Yeah. And... And Vayaso told, and God did the sign. He did the signs. There's no syntactical confusion or question right. um, on verse 30. But you're right; it still it has the words. I just thought the clarity there would help with the confusion up in 28. I don't know. Maybe, don't know. maybe. <laughs> uh, Larry, Diane. Translations. I know you're going to want them. <clears throat> so Alter, Alter's a with which guy. Okay. So he says, and Moses told Aaron 
all the Lord's word, all the Lord's words with which he had with which he sent him. Okay. And okay. all the signs with which he charged him. All right. So so far Alter agrees with Everett Fox. What does Kaplan say? I love Kaplan. I think Kaplan's got it pegged here. Moses described to mm. Aaron everything that God had told him about his mission. <laughs> as well as the miraculous proofs that he had instructed him to display. So there's a fair amount of filling in there. I mean, I like Kaplan too. You almost have to say at that point that he's doing a paraphrase, which is okay, right? He's doing a paraphrase in the name of clarity, but it, 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 it strikes me as, and this is, I guess, a compliment to Kaplan, those times when Uncle says, if I just turn this into Aramaic, it'll be, inscrutable so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fill in some of the gaps which might help with comprehension it's just a it's, it's just a different exercise than pure translation uh but that's really interesting i mean i i, I like the, the i like the image in my mind that is created by those words and the question is is that the image in our mind which is what communication is that we're supposed to have given these words i don't know whether you'll agree or anybody else will agree to me there's a world of difference between told and described because when you say, when you use the word described, it's suggesting that there's a filling out there. There's an elaboration going on as opposed to just telling him. I may be wrong. I don't know whether if, if, if ever Kaplan used told or described or something else. Yeah. Well, if you think about the Hebrew, so Vayaged either comes from the, the Shoresh of Haggadah or Agada, right? And Haggadah, right, which, which we'll meet in six weeks or so, actually six weeks from tomorrow, gulp, um, is usually, I mean, you, you would, you would describe the Haggadah as a telling more than a describing, I think. But interestingly, Agadah is the, is what happens in Midrash when you're not deriving halacha, but when you're explicating and filling in the gaps in a Midrashic way. So, and, and it's not necessarily that the Haggadah and the Agadah necessarily mean those two things distinctly on an etymological level, but how they're used uh, in, in our tradition uh, is, some, is somewhat different. And it's unclear which one Vayagade is more uh, closely related to. Um, anything else there, Diane? No, fine. That's it. Stevie? Yeah, it seems to me that in, you know, the like, uh, quote unquote, original version of this text, but like that, Shalacho and Sivahu could have easily been swapped. Hmm. And then everything seems to make sense because it's like, yeah, God's words were instruct, right? Commandative. And it's like, yes, you were sent with these tools. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know of a, of a Midrashic or, um, you know, documentary hypothetical suggestion that suggests that the words were inverted, but it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, to answer. Thomas I mean, it, question, it could yeah. also be intentionally like twisted, but it does, it does feel like there's a swap. Like, yeah. To answer Tova's question in the chat, uncle does it plainly in the sense that uncle does not add in with the, with which uncle really translates it word for word, Hebrew, Hebrew Aramaic. That Moses said or spoke to Aaron. Uh, Aaron, it's a, it's a different Aramaic. There's several different Aramaic words for speak, just like there are several different words in Hebrew. Amar, Malel, Diber. Yat kol pit gamaya, all of the words. Darunai, dishalche, and all of the words of God, which sent him, right? Um, so it doesn't add in the word which. Yat kol ataya, and all of the otot, all of the wonders, uh day that he commanded him. So doesn't it doesn't go the Arya Kaplan or sorry, does not go the Robert Alter or Everett Fox wrote root, just basically turns it into Aramaic. Uh Joanna? I had the same observation about the switching of the verbs. Um and now in light of Uncleus, could we go back in Uncleus to Fakade? Because is Fakde related to the Hebrew showish Pakad? which doesn't directly mean then commanded, but more so enumerated. And I wonder then if Uncleus is having a bit of an issue also with where the verbs are falling into place. 
Interesting question. So pakad in Hebrew already is a root that means several different things. To remember, to enumerate, to, to, to command. Um, if we, let's see if I can pull up Jastro quickly um, to see what the Aramaic um, for pei kukdalid gives us. One second. Um, while I'm pulling it up, do you want to say anything more about that? <laughs> No, I think that was the observation I had. I just wanted you to be a filler for a second. Um, (laughs) Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Um, Let's see. Okay, so pakad, that's the Hebrew for pakad, but we want to look at the Aramaic for pakad. Look how many entries there are, because there's so many different meanings of it. Um, Okay, the the way you know it's an Aramaic entry is because the way the form is um created is that the there's a shva underneath the the, the first letter a p as opposed to a pa so it can mean to command so that his first uncle is uncle jashto's first translation of pakad actually works perfectly in our verse because this is uh uncle is trying to render tsiva so the first one is command store up yeah in the in the pa'al it's just those two to command or store up so Interestingly, in Aramaic, pakad is has a narrower sense, uh, set of meaning, meanings than in Hebrew. Because in Hebrew, just in the pa'al, you've got to visit, have marital connection with. I don't even remember the, that one. Um, to visit, remember, decree upon. So there's the one that's like tziva. To count, to muster, to give in charge, to deposit. There are four and, and to, to command order. So in, in Hebrew, the, the, re, the three letters pe kuvdalid have no fewer than five distinct meanings, even though they're in the same family, whereas in Aramaic, he just gives two of them. Rabbi. Yes, sir. The, the, remember also, uh, pakad, I always, that's one of the first verbs I learned because of Rosh Hashanah, the Torah reading, pakad at... Uh, Sarak Hashir uh, Yes, it's that he remembered... Uh, so th- I like that one because guys remembering the people are still in Egypt kind of thing. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, good. Uh, Alan's iPhone. What do you have to say about this? I was focusing on, on what everything, what all means in Otot, you know, and, and, and the signs. And there's um, uh, Nachmanides says the following about it. And I, and I wanted to share this. All the things that the Lord had uh, committed to him is how it's translated. Wait, uh, Mo- Alan, Alan, before you read that, I was, was going to bring up the Ramban on the screen. So ah. let, let me hold the thought. Let me I hear what, what, what Joel and Rebecca have to say, and then we'll, we'll bring up the Ramban, and then you'll tell me what you think about that. Okay, but let me just ask one other question then. It deals with the oat. You know, why is it that... Normally, there'd be some sort of parallelism in all, all of the things. Why do you have to say the otot as well? With the signs, are? if it's going to be all of the things, why separately differentiate the sign? What's the parallelism between all the things and the signs? Great. And, and, and right, like if, if kol divrei is comprehensive, it should subsume kol haotot, right? Which might give some thrust to the very Ramban you're going to be, we're going to read in a second as to what, what's the coal of Dirayonai such that it's important that the word coal is there, even though it doesn't include the signs and wonders. So, so that's maybe the question that's actually pushing Ramban in that direction. Joel. Um, I, I don't understand why Adonai can't be the, the subject of the, or the, the subject of that uh, phrase. And, Moshe told Aaron all the words of God who had sent him. God had sent him and all the, the signs which he had commanded him. So if you just put a, uh, uh, a who instead of a which, it makes more sense, no? Uh, it's, really, it's really inventive. You have to translate as God said, Moshe said to Aaron, all the words of the God who had sent him, right? That That the smichut of divrei Adonai is not on its own. It's divrei Adonai asher shalacho. That's how you're reading it? Well, that's, it's most loyal to the, to the language, no? Yeah. It's interesting. We're so, we're influenced by the trap, right? So the trap is definitely kol divrei Adonai. 
Divrei Adonai, Asher Shalacho, right? Um, and uh, the same thing on the on the second part. Bekol Haotot, Asher Tzivahu, Asher Tzivahu. I had never thought to read it that way. Um, interesting possibility, right? That that does resolve the syntax. It still seems awkward to have such a long, a, a long second half of a smichut, and um, it's it, it's 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 an odd. Even though it's a, it's accurate, it's an odd descriptor of God in the situation, as if the, the the main way to describe God is the God who had sent it. But it's an interesting possibility, and it, it does resolve the syntactical oddness. Um, we'll just see what the chat says. Ah. Um, and uh, Rebecca, next. Um, my comment uh, question is really um, a continuation of what Alan brought up. Um, and I'm wondering why Moshe told Aaron about all the things that, he, that, that God said and about the, the signs and wonders, but he didn't make an effort to actually show him the signs. So um, the whole point of those signs is to be demonstrated. Uh, so, and then, you know, right afterwards, they go out and they show the signs to, to, the, uh, to everybody. So it's just curious that he, he chose to describe them rather than convince him with, with the presentation. And that's a great, a great close read, Rebecca, right? In verse 30, there's going to be a display of these otot, le'ene ha'am. In our verse, Moshe just saying, hey, I got some magic tricks in my hand, but I'm not going to show you what they are. Uh, yeah, I, I have to linger as to like a why on that, but that's an interesting um Interesting observation, right? Because it's much more impact rich to show somebody um, uh, like a miraculous thing than to describe it. Interesting. Great. Uh, Norm, Rachel? Three quick things. One is, I think that um, it makes sense to me that Moshe would have taught Aaron or told Aaron about all the things that God said, instructed, ordered. Those are all words, and separately, the signs, because those are the paraphernalia, the things. And why does he only describe them and not use them? Moshe has never done this before. He may not know how many times he can turn this rod into a snake. And if he wastes it on convincing Aaron, who's already convinced, it may not work when Aaron needs to convince the people or Pharaoh or whomever. Hmm. So he doesn't, he, so he simply describes that. And it's reasonable, and Aaron takes him at his word. That makes sense to me. Um, the other thing was um, Rosenbaum and Zilberman used the exact translation that Joel suggested, um, saying that uh, he told Moshe told Aaron all the words of the Eternal who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded. Hmm. So that's exactly what uh, what Joel suggested, and so he has some good support for that. Yeah, so we have like kind of three, three basic families of translation attempts here. There's the throwing in the with which. There's the uncle is saying, I'm going to leave it as it is. You figure it out. And then there's the Joel Elkins approach, which is to say that the, that, that the, that the second half of the smichut of those associative phrase is the God who had sent him, which I think is really a creative read. Good. Uh, Barry's hand was up. It's now down. Let me know if you're, you want to say something, Barry, Lara, Diane, and then we're going to read the Ramban and then we're going to hear from Alan. So this is completely off the line of what we're talking about, what we're going to talk about. I love Hiskuni. I he, had this. I'm also going to bring him up too. <laughs> then I back off. Okay. So let's, let's bring uh, uh, Ramban first and then Hiskuni. Those are the two ones I had teed up. Okay. So, okay. So here is Ramban. Ramban, Nachmanides, Spain, uh, 13th century. 13th? Yeah, I think 13th century. Um, and he has a, you know, linear commentary on, on the Torah, uh, oftentimes very long and convoluted, not convoluted, but complex commentaries, oftentimes beginning with his disagreement of Rashi. He's not going to disagree with Rashi here because Rashi doesn't say anything to be disagreed with. Um, so here's what he says. The ta'am at kol divrei Adonai asher shlacho. 
the reason or the explanation of the phrase and all of the words of God that it's hard to, I don't even know how to translate it in the quotation of the verse with which he had sent him. For some reason, Ramban takes the kuf out of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That he, Moshe, told Aaron all the things that had been between him, Moshe, and between God, the Chol Hasheraya, and everything that took place, including the fact that Moshe had resisted or refused this mission. And that it was kind of against his own will. Al Korcho is interesting. Hebrew phrase it means against one's will that he was sent. Vezetam kol. That's the reason of kol. And going back to Alan's question, right? What does kol mean if kol doesn't mean every detail, including the signs and wonders? And it can include the signs and wonders because that's coming up in the next kol. According to Ramban, the kol means even the things you might have thought that Moshe wouldn't have shared to Aaron, including Moshe's own hesitancy to take this job. Uven Midrash. So let's pause there. So what do you make of it? What's the sermonica there? Why is that interesting to imagine Moshe sharing with Aaron his unwillingness or his his hesitancy to take on this role? Aside from it being an interesting resolution to the word coal, what's interesting narratively about that? Alan? It's not very often that the person who is going to be the leader in doing all these things is going to say, I didn't want to do this. He's downplaying himself in such a significant way that I don't want to do this. In fact, I refused it. I didn't want to do it. I had to be persuaded against my will to do it, but I'm still doing it anyway. Yeah, it's interesting because it, this read of Moshe simultaneously in my mind, and this is just a subjective response, highlights Moshe's humility and it somehow undermines it because one can be you know, can be the humble man who doth protest too much. No, no, me wanting wanting a job of leading the entire nation and being remembered as a savior, not I, I didn't want that, right? So when when Ramban reads Moshe, the first thing he's saying to his big brother Aaron is, I never wanted this job. It can be read as true humility. And it also in my in my, my sensibility, it can be read almost as feigned humility. Uh, Alan, anything else you want to say on that? Is this the part of the Ramban you wanted to bring up? Uh, yes, this is the part I wanted to bring up, the part of the, of, of, of the all. Yes. Okay. Joanna? I think there's, you know, something really interesting about the dynamic of Moshe and Aharon's relationship. I think any good leader needs that trusted person that they can just be totally bare and true with. And I think there's a read that that is what is happening here. And I think also there's a thing in leadership of like sort of what happens behind closed doors, what happens at the board meeting, all the debate and discussion and back and forth and revealing of true feelings. And then, you know, the outcome that like, okay, now that we've had all this discussion and and we've gotten to an outcome, there's sort of the public face that has to be put on to everyone else. And to me, there is, you know, bits of those types of dynamics happening here which, you know, I think a lot of times we read text and we don't sort of dig down into like the real relationships that are happening here. And it's lovely to be able to do that. Yeah, that's great, Joanna. Um, I also want to just pause a second before I call on Rebecca, that the Safaria's version of the Ramban includes a particular English translation of the Ramban. Uh, I think it's the, um, I don't remember if this is Charles Chevelle's English too, or if it's a translation of Charles Chevelle's Hebrew. But, and it's clearly an older English version of it, but this English translation of the Ramban includes a translation of the verse and instead of, and, and adds in the, you know, far too infrequently in word, a used English word, wherewith, right? And Moses told Aaron all the words of the eternal, wherewith he hath sent him. And I think we need to use wherewith more often in our communication. Okay, Rebecca. So what I wanted to say was basically what Joanna did, but I wanted to sort of um, emphasize that I felt that it was sort of an indication to Aaron what his place in the whole process is. And maybe that explains why he wasn't shown the signs, because his his responsibility will be using his you know words and not signs and that it's clarifying. You will need to talk. Um, 
really interesting. It's, you know, as we get into the plagues, eventually, um, we'll see that some of the plagues are initiated by Moshe and some of the plagues initiated by Aaron and a little heads up. Rashi has a, a really interesting commentary on, on, I think it's, I think it's blood on the first plague as to why it was Aaron giving that, uh, doing the sign, not Moshe, but you're right. Primarily it's Moshe. And the reason why Aaron is significant is because Moshe is not an Ishtvarim. And so, uh, that's interesting explanation that in this first encounter, Moshe is not doing the, 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 the magic. Moshe is basically saying, you're going to be my mouthpiece. I'll, I'll, I'll do the magic of the background. You'll be my mouthpiece. Interesting. Uh, Joel. And then I want to, at some point I want to, I'll clear the board, Joel, Norm, Rachel, and Barry. And then I want to read the second half of the Ramban because Ramban gives a, a whole different commentary as to, um, as to why it's cold. Um, Joanna and Rebecca took some of what I was saying. I just wanted to add that there's also the, the dynamic of um, Aaron was still the older and he wanted to, he didn't want to usurp that role. Yeah. Respect. Right. And we saw some of that being played out in Rashi's commentary as exactly. to why Moshe was hesitant um, to take the job. So Moshe is basically saying, older brother, I, I, I didn't want this. Like, you know, I'm going to say no to God. I try to, right? Don't, don't. Wait, my support. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, great. Norm, Rachel. Um, it struck me just kind of listening to the other comments and so on that this is one of the many places where the Torah text collapses time. Um, we have this long discussion and lots of commentary on the bridegroom of blood. And then it's go, God says to Aaron, go meet Moses. And they greet each other. And in one verse, they've already gathered all the people. And I'm thinking, how far did they have to walk? Did they meet in Egypt? Did they, from wherever they met, how long it took them to get to Egypt? It's just, in in Torah, time is elastic, and it just struck me that this is one of the places where it's really, really compressed. Yeah, that's a great comment, uh, Rachel, uh, and, and particularly apt given the weird elastic time that we're living through right now. I don't know how many times in the last few weeks I've try to remember something that I thought was a few months ago when it was two and a half years ago, right? So, so COVID time was also oddly compressed. It's both like compressed and elongated simultaneously. Um, and particularly when we remember the Hamid Bara, right? The, um, that Moses, uh, God sent Aaron to go meet Moshe towards the desert as if they're meeting halfway. Well, that means that they're very far away from where the people are, but two verses, two verses later, they're with the people. So, uh, it would be really interesting to figure out how to stage this. Uh, and I don't think that, is this scene, I'm trying to imagine, is this scene present in Cecil B. DeMille's or the Prince of Egypt? I can't remember. I mean, I can't remember a scene where there's a meeting of Moshe and Aaron post-burning bush before they are in front of the people in Pharaoh. But maybe I'm forgetting something. No, I think he just comes back and starts talking to Yul Brenner. Yeah. He just shows up saying, let my people go. Yeah. Uh, Barry. So this, uh, and all, uh, where, where do we think that Moshe is, uh, opening up his vulnerability to Aharon? Moshe's not wanting to do this and all that God had to do to convince Moshe to, to do this. I, I, I don't see how that's included in the whole, rather that these are the, what, what God told Moshe to go do these things. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not obvious in the shot, which is why, you know, the Ramban is giving like a sermon on it, right? He's, he's giving a commentary that is not necessarily the obvious thing that comes out of the shot. Um, and, you know, that's frankly what makes a commentary, most interesting, like when, you know, Lahavdil, many, many uh, levels, because I don't want to compare myself to the Ramban. But, you know, when I when I share a text in a sermon, um, it, 
I'm sharing it in a way that is a little bit less than obvious so that I can make a point with it, right? So he's trying to make a point about Moshe's either real or feigned humility that is not obviously jumping out of the text, but it's obviously jump, it's jumping out of the text for him. And to go back to Alan's question, he is trying technically, Ramban, to resolve what the coal means because it doesn't mean everything that God had said because it didn't include the signs because the signs are the next phrase. So it's an attempt to resolve that, but it's not, it's, it's not the only way to resolve that. And so I, 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 am, I embrace your comment that it's not necessarily what that phrase means. It, 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 it's not the nature of new leaders to open up their vulnerabilities at the beginning. Right. Unless you're Moshe, who is Anav Mikol Adam, who's the, who's the most humble of all men and does not want to be seen even by his older brother for a second coming back, you know, you know, a glow from the burning bush. He does not want to lord over his older brother. He has a task to do, doesn't want to lord over him. Stevie, hold the thought for one second. I want to finish the Ramban. So um, where my cursor is, Vizet Tam Kol. So the, the punctuation here is odd. I would put a period here that this is the reason for the word Kol. And now he adds new thought. In Rashi, we sometimes would see here a Dalad Aleph, Davar Acher. Uva Midrash Chazit, and in a text called Midrash Chazit, which is from Shir Hashirim Rabbah, the classic rabbinic text on Song of Songs, in some of the uh, Midrashim on, uh, on, uh, on, on books of the Bible like Song of Songs, the, each individual collection of Midrashim... One second. My dog is with me today in the office. Even... Um, uh, individual um, uh, uh, sections of Midrash within that have their own names. It's called Midrash Chazit. The Rabbanan Amre Galay Galalo Shem Meforash. The rabbis in that Midrash say, "What's the coal? What's the all that Moshe even revealed to Aaron? Shem Meforash, that tetragrammaton, right? The Ehiyeh Asher Ehiyeh, all the names that." God had revealed to Moshe that seemed to be a, I'm telling this to you one-on-one, no one else can know about it. Yidrashu, the, the, they darshaned it that way, they drashed it that way. That Moshe told Aaron all of those names that were mentioned above, through which, by which, God had sent him. The Hashem Hayotze, and the name that emerged from that scene, the Hupei and Moshe explained it. Um, I'm not sure what the lehem is there. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure what the lehem, lehem means there. Um, but we get the thrust of it. That another read of Kol in the classic Midrash is not about um, Moshe's humility, but Moshe even revealed maybe the parts of what God had said to Moshe that was the most um, intimate and the most private. Even that God, Moshe, is sharing with Aaron. So I wanted to share that with you. Any thoughts or reactions on that? Okay. Now let's go to the, uh, Larry Diane. Yeah. You want to go to the Chizkuni now? Before I go, before you go to the Chizkuni. Yeah. Um, I'm looking also at the English translation, which may not be correct, but is perplexing to me because it says the intent of their explanation is that Moses told Aaron the divine names mentioned above by which he had sent him and the name that is derived from them and the explanation that's inherent in them. So that's how they, they get the lahem. Right. The explanation of him. What wow, what what is the explanation? What what is he talking about there? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 a it's at least if I can make this bigger so we can look at it all together. It, it's a it's a worthy attempt at translating that phrase, right? Um, and this is Chevelle, and he knew what he was doing. Um, Hashem Hayotze, the name which emerges, Vahu Piresh Lahem, maybe he, Moshe, explained regarding them. And that as if Moshe is telling Aaron not just the name, but what the name means, right? The, 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 the secretive mystical meaning of the name. But it's not something that even we're exposed to because we didn't get that in that scene. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's it's it, it's a worthy attempt in English to make sense of those last few Hebrew words of the Ramban. Um, Before you go to the Chizkuni, can I just give a fifteen second background? And you, you can get take twenty five seconds. I don't always intervene when I'm thinking about something, and for and for the last two weeks or 
however long, the the it's it's the 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 narrative and the order of when things are happening. And I've been wondering, wait a second, Moses' wife didn't go with him to Egypt. She wasn't there. And I didn't ask the question, but it's been puzzling me. And then I read Chizkuni and I said, aha, it bothered him too. <laughs> Baruch Shekivanta. That's a perfect Baruch Shekivanta. Blessed be you who had the same intention of a great sage. So with that in mind, let's look at Chizkuni. Um, before we go. Yes, Alan. Yeah. Um, there's an interesting translation that I have in the, uh, in the Migrop Dolot from JPS. Uh, yeah. uh, on this, uh, how he describes this at the end about Midrash Rabbah, okay. about what Nachmanis was saying. He said, they understood that he told him the names mentioned in verses 13 and 15, by which he had been sent, as well as Adonai, the name that results from them, and interpreted them for him. So it's like Moses is not even just repeating what we said, but he's interpreting, giving to err in the interpretation of the various divine names. Right. Which I find remarkable. Right. I mean, just if I can pull back on that, there, there's got to be a reason that the Ramban uses the word peresher. There's some kind of expansion or explication that Ramban ascribes to Moshe doing on Aaron's behalf. Uh, Barry? Just quickly, uh, it, it was necessary for Moshe to open everything here to our own Yes, Aaron is going to be Moshe's mouthpiece. Aaron ultimately will be the, the priest. And so Moshe's task is to open all this mm. to Aaron and yeah. become familiar with it. Yeah, in which case, that second read of the Ramban is less about Moshe's humility than about Moshe's tactics, right? One wants to empower Aaron with all that he's going to need to intone and use the name of God in the right way. Okay. Chizkuni. Vayageid Moshe la'aron. So Moshe said to Aaron, the dibur hamadchil here, the words that are quoted from the verse does not include the word kol. Um, again, all, almost it's almost always the case that the dibure hamadchil, the words quoted from the verse in the commentary are not necessarily original to the commentator. So we don't know whether or not in Chizkuni's actual mind, he was quoting on those three words or also the word kol. Nevertheless, that Moshe told Aaron everything that happened to him, the whole narrative, not the signs of wonders, but everything in the story, including, I'm added that in, even about that first night in the hotel. Remember those, you know, four verses that took us two months to get through, including that weirdo story in the first night of the hotel in the circumcision, the Amarlo Aharon, Aaron said back to him, Al Harishonim Anu Mitzta Arim. I'm gonna kind of hide the translation there so you can you can you can work it on your own. Aaron said to him, On the first ones, we are distressed. For those of you who are not looking at it on your own safari and don't see the English, what is that in the in the words of the Chizkuni? What does Aaron's response to Moshe mean? Moshe said, I brought my wife that first night in the hotel. And Aaron says back, Al on the earlier ones, the first ones, we are in distress. What's the shot of that? Anyone? Rebecca? Um, I could try two interpretations. One is, sorry to hear you were sick. Or, I'm sorry you didn't bring your wife and the kids all the way to meet me. Um, that, those are my two reactions. So, so a mitzvah air like uh, I feel bad for that encounter, and I feel bad that I that my sister in law and nephews are not here. Okay, uh, Matt, your hands up. Oh no, Matt is actually trying to enter the room. Stevie, well, it seems to be implying that there's older children as opposed to the child that this happened to. And in which case, what does that phrase mean? That like I'm the. Uh, like they're like those are the ones I'm I guess concerned for. It's I don't know, it's hard to render. It is hard to render, right? Um so uh let's keep playing with it. Joanna. The the first ones to me could be a reference to the first things that happened, as in, you know, why Moses needed to flee and leave Mitzrayim, that that's what Aharon is sorry about. Um 
but that therefore in some way he's saying, um, you know, once he hears the whole saga vis-a-vis um, what happened in the hotel as being the later thing that happened, that like kind of like Moshe, there was something you didn't do right there. And that's why all that happened. Interesting. Okay. There was the, um, that the, 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 what you tell me about the saga is related to earlier things upon which we should be collectively sad that you didn't do the right way. Let's read the next line of Chizkuni, which at least um, it gives a window into how Chizkuni thinks of his own words. And Chizkuni says, and therefore we can say, based on the words of our sages, that because of that, because of what Aaron said back to Moshe, that Moses sent to Tzipora, who, according to this reading, is still hanging out at that hotel, that she should return to the house of her father. Remember that after the night in the hotel, we don't see Tzipora until Parsha Yitro. Right? So we have to guess what happened to them. Remember we talked about the different, um, uh, um, the singular and the plural of um, the end of that scene, that they're all together, but then Moshe is just, uh, God is speaking directly, God sends Moshe on, right? Not not, not uh, Sipora. And so um, Sipora, according to this, is sent back. Why is she sent back? If we read that back into what Aaron said, then we can read it this way. Aaron said to Moshe, we have enough service on the original ones who are caught in Egypt. We don't need more people there. That's how I read Chizkuni's read of Aaron's words. Because in response to that, Moshe said, you're right, I'll tell Sipora to go back and wait, it, wait out the war, right? It's, these are um, poignant words right now, uh, as we imagine people who might've gotten stuck in Ukraine, wait out the war in Midian, we don't need more Israelites that need to be uh, rescued. Yesterday's uh, LA Times had a harrowing article about an American couple. I don't know if they were a Californian couple um, who were in Ukraine a few weeks ago uh, for the birth of their second child by surrogate. Their first child was a couple of years old. They had a second child by surrogate, a Ukrainian mother. And they had arrived in Ukraine early to mid-February and they thought the baby was going to be born uh, and war is looming. And um, some complex story where the doctors did not want to induce the baby because they thought the baby needed more gestation, even though the baby was basically full term. And even with the war coming and the baby was born, I think the day before the invasion, and these are American citizens in somewhere, I don't know if it's in Kiev or Ukraine who have a newborn. And you can imagine the bureaucratic paperwork to get the birth certificates and the release and blah, blah, blah. They, they didn't get the birth certificate, which would allow them to leave the country legally until day three of the invasion. By then, they're basically trapped. They basically they took a 28-hour cab ride from Kiev to the Polish border. They were split at the border because the Ukrainian guards let her through with a baby, but not him, because they thought that his passport was a fake, even though he was an American citizen. Eventually, they got out. But the reason why I'm remembering this is if, 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 you know, if you're trying to rescue people from embattled situation, the fewer the people you need to rescue, the better, right? So that's how I read Chizkuni's read of Aaron here. Moshe said, hey, my wife's halfway here. Aaron said, we've got enough service on the original ones who are enslaved by Egypt. Moshe says, good point. I'll tell her to go back to Midian for the rest of the, of the time. Uh, Joanna and then Rick. Sorry, I didn't lower my hand from before. Uh, okay, no problem. Rick? Yeah, hi. <clears throat> I like that word meets ta'arim. I see the word meets rhyme in there. And the, the top, the tet and the ayin in the middle. So it'd be nice if I had more vocabulary in Hebrew, it'd be nice to make something of that. I mean, ta'am is right in my head, but there's no trope there. But, um, yeah, I, I like, um, I like that better than Aaron talking about, oh, it was so, tr- uh, troubling for you the circumcision and all that. No, I think he's talking about, we have enough people already suffering and she's already out. Why bring her in to bring her out? So right. I, I like that better. Um, okay. Um, 
before we go on, just two um, two quick announcements. One, you're going to get an email later today about some upcoming scheduling. There's a, a five or six week stretch where for totally different reasons, every other week I will not be available to teach. Um, you'll get the email and Leonard will respond hopefully um, with which dates he's available. So look out for that. Uh, second thing, the shul is getting close. We're not there yet to uh, permitting indoor gathering without masks amongst those who are vaccinated. And listen, at some point, this class is going to be in person again. Like we may always offer a Zoom option, particularly because we have members of this class who don't live in Los Angeles and there's no way, there's no way we're going to foreclose that. Um, but I think we all agree that at some point we will be past a pandemic. Doesn't mean we'll be out of risk completely. We're not out of risk ever in life, but we're going to be back to a, um, a, a normalish thing. And I kind of want to know if, I don't know, April 1st, not at not April Fool's, April 1st, um, if the synagogue has uh, allowed for indoor davening and gathering without masks, uh, w- what percentage of this class will be willing to meet indoors? Uh, by the way, provided we, we can find the space, because we've basically given the school as much uh, use of the building as possible through the end of the school year. So we'd only could only do it if there were a high percentage of the people in this, um, uh, in this class were willing to do it um, and we could provide the, the, the space. But I'd like to ask you to send me an email if you are not comfortable, right? I'm going to, I'm going to assume maybe incorrectly that many of you would be comfortable, but if you are not comfortable meeting in person, unmasked, in about a month with everyone vaccinated and boosted present, that's important for me to know. Um, because if it's, if it's, if it's just a few of you, I might say we're going to meet in person and please join by zoom. If it's half or more of the class, it means that the class is not ready yet. And I, that's with no judgment. We, we I, I can't force us. We're all on different trajectories, but this institution is moving in that direction pretty, pretty soon because so is the County. Okay. Uh, great. Let's go to the next verse. Um, I'll have a few minutes to start reading it. Who have we not heard from yet today? Uh, Rebecca or Leonard Friedman, do you want to read verse 29? I'm mute. Yeah, 29. Go ahead. Okay, I'll read. Moshe va'aharon asfu et kol Israel. And Moses and Aaron went, and they gathered up. They gathered together. So we're going to end the class here. We'll continue this. We meet together. Look out for that email. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.